Well, well. It's been a many a moon since I've been here. Many a moon. John chapter 8. Used to come up here every year. And I guess it's been 12, 15 years maybe. I don't know. Been a long, long time. Long, long time. I met Wayne and Vicki at, at uh, Rescue Baptist Church. They came down from Oregon and were staying in a tent. You all was camping out, weren't you? And uh, that's where I met him at. Uh, but I am very, very thankful to be here and hope that the Lord will make me a blessing. Really make me a blessing. Let's read these first eight verses together and hopefully God will let me say something about them. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? That's what we always want to find out, what Christ has to say. What the Lord has to say about anything. Because whatever he has to say about something, it'll be right. It'll be true. It'll be a blessing. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his fingers wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And our Lord said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I want you to notice the setting here. Our Lord was there early in the morning, very early. And here comes this group of Pharisees, and they take this woman, bring her to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's sitting teaching. They rudely, rudely interrupted him. And what you have here, you know how you can always tell a self-righteous person? They find the sin in somebody else and they never see it in themselves. That's what our Lord says. Those, he said, he spake a parable that they who counted themselves or thought themselves more righteous than others. You have good people here or religious people and a very bad person. That's the way they is looking at it. And instead of having any understanding, any pity, any feelings of mercy towards this woman... They delighted in bringing her and put her before the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And they think, and then there's a lot of people like this, by pointing out the darkness in others, they think they cause their own light to shine just a little bit brighter. But our master, he's the light of the world. And without him, we all walk in darkness. Without him, we'd still be in darkness. But the Lord is teaching here now. Setting down early in the morning. And I'm telling you, great big crowd around him, he's setting down, teaching. And all of a sudden, in verse 2 or 3, it says this, And scribes and Pharisees, so it's still early in the morning, brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now the law in Moses commanded us, commanded us, that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? The law commands us. They went to the law. Religious people love the law. They love to be told what to do, where to go, how to do it. But they, they said the law commands us that a woman like this should be stoned. Pick up stones and stone her to death. Kill her. And then they said, what do you say? Now here's the problem these people put to our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. When the scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman, they brought her for just one reason. And it says it right there in verse 6. They didn't care about stoning this woman to death. They wanted to dishonor and teach that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to dishonor the law. And this they said, tempting him that they might have something to accuse him of. Accuse him of. And so they put this problem to our master. To our Lord Jesus Christ. And they said the law of Moses. God's law. And it was certainly more severe than the Roman law. And they brought this woman. They knew the gentleness. They knew the graciousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture said he shall not cry. To cause his voice to be heard. And a bruised reed he won't bake. And a smoking flax he won't quench. That means that he is so tender towards those things that would easily be cut out. And they thought they could compel him to condemn himself by opposing Moses' law. They said if we can get him to oppose Moses' law, then we know, then we can say he's a lawbreaker. He's a lawbreaker. He's not, he, don't, he don't oppose Moses' law. He's putting himself in Moses' place. And then if he lets this woman go and don't condemn her according to the law, then we've got him. They thought that we put a real problem to him. And oh my, they thought they could compel him to condemn himself by opposing the law of Moses. And I hope we all can learn some things here and God would, the Holy Spirit would enlighten our understanding. One, two things I want to deal with tonight, the claims of the law and the working of grace Face to face, the workings of grace in Christ and the claims of the law. Now they brought this woman taken in adultery. It says there in verse 3 that he, they brought a woman, brought unto him a, a woman taken in adultery. In the very act. Now she's a sinner. Nobody can deny that. There's no end. She's a sinner. She's a sinner. They caught her in the very act. And the law says take her, in, Le in Le Leviticus 20.10, it says take her and stone her to death. Huh? 
And I'll tell you, the law condemned her to be stoned to death, and that's a terrible fact that nobody can deny. As far as the law was condemned, she was without hope, without any way at all of ever being saved by that law. She was under his curse. Our Lord Jesus Christ says that no flesh should be justified by the law in the sight of God. It says that whatever so the law saith, it saith to him that the under the law that every mouth may be stopped. When we're facing the law, we shut our mouths. What are we going to say? I was preaching on how the people, we're not under the law. And this woman, I said, do you think you've ever, anybody here ever think they've kept the Ten Commandments? And the woman in the back raised her hand. I said, you're sadly mistaken. But I tell you this, what they brought, they brought the Lord, said, now the law said. And that's the first thing a Pharisee will say. That's the first thing a reformer will say. Or somebody who is self-righteous will say, the law said. The law said. And that's what they wanted to use against her. And let me tell you something, where there's guilt, whether you feel it or not, the law can't do nothing to anybody but condemn them. That's all it can do. And I thank God I don't have to deal with it. And one of these accusers was clamoring, clamoring for her death. But let me ask you something, where's the man at? Did anybody ever ask that question here? Where's this man at? If she was taken in the act, there had to be somebody there. She was married, and this other fellow's probably married, and that's why they said it was adultery. Where was the man at? Why didn't they bring that man? I'm going to tell you what I think it is. I think it was somebody in their bunch. One of their deacons probably said in the front yard in the synagogue. And they didn't want to embarrass themselves and bring him. But they got this woman and brought her. Oh, where's the man? According to the law, they both must be stoned to death. They both must be stoned to death. And why? Oh, my soul, why? Why are they so anxious to get the Lord to condemn her and weren't concerned for her companion's sin? Why didn't they bring him too? It just, they just brought the woman. They just wanted her stoned to death. They just wanted her to be condemned. Well, I'll tell you something about us. In case somebody hadn't told you in a day or two, let me tell you this. You know why they weren't concerned for her companion in sin? Because man is guilty himself, and he's prejudiced, he's willful, he's ignorant, and he is unfit at any given time, not only of keeping God's law for himself, but he don't have the sense enough and the right enough or the, he's so blinded by himself and so ignorant of himself, he's not able to condemn another man. Huh? And he certainly couldn't possibly have the right motive. Oh my, that people, these folks didn't have the right motive. Oh, we're all, listen, God asked this question. David asked this question. Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, who would be able to stand? If God lined us up and started down from the day we was born and just went marking everything we done, everything we done, mark it down, mark it down, mark it down, mark it down. 
then who would be able to stand? But you know what he said? He said, oh, but Lord, there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Thank God for that. And I tell you, man is guilty. I've, I've, I've seen people do this. I've seen people do this. They, they're willfully ignorant. They're, they're unfit to administer true justice to anybody. To a fellow man with the right motives. You reckon you've had the right motive in anything you've ever done when you said something about somebody else or mistreated somebody else? You reckon we've ever would you reckon we ever had the love of God that caused us to do something? Or was it just us? But oh, what a terrible, terrible lot the accusers of the law are. Oh, the world, he'll come along and tell you, you ain't nothing. And they're right, I ain't nothing. Flesh will come along and say, boy, you're just rotten. Yes, true too. And then the devil comes along. And then you have that self-righteous Pharisee. He wants to look at you and say, if you was like I was, you wouldn't be the way you are. If you was like I was, you'd be able to look up to God and tell him what a fine, fine fella you are. You'd look up to God and tell him all the wonderful things you've done. Look up and tell him how faithful you've been and how kind you've been and how loving you've been and how gracious you've been and how forgiving you've been. But oh my, I won't be like that publican. Smote his breast. Couldn't even lift up his eyes. He said, Lord, be merciful to me. And you know what he said? The sinner, the sinner. Oh, so here's this sinner under the law. She's condemned. She's under the law. And there's people standing there. They want, they want, they want blood. They want blood. But now, let me show you sinner under grace. Because sinner under grace. You know, John 1.17 says this. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. They said to her, now Moses in the law commanded us to stone her. What do you say about it? Huh? If you let her go, you're going to disobey God's law. And if you show her mercy and grace, then that makes you a friend of publicans and sinners. Which they've already accused him of that. What do you say? What a contrast. They're standing there with the law. And their grace is standing here in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. The law and you. What do you say? The law is just and holy and good. Everybody knows that. Everybody says that. It's holy, just and good. And it says condemn, but what do you say? What do you say? Can you say live when the law says die? And how our master handles this question is of vital interest to us, it is to me, for four reasons. In some measure it reveals our Lord's own character. 
And what a blessed character he is. Secondly, it reveals his attitude toward God's holy law. And thirdly, it reveals his attitude to these accusers that came up here. And fourthly, the way he deals with this miserable, guilty, embarrassed, justly condemned sinner. How's he going to deal with it? How's he going to deal with it? Oh, this is a mystery. It's a mystery. I've been accused of a lot of things. I used to, a couple come and visit us three weeks every summer. They'd come on vacation. He was an optometrist and he'd bring his wife and his daughters and he'd always come to our services morning and night, three nights a week. One day I got to preaching from Galatians. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And I began to show how that God's people are not under the law, under no circumstances, no way, no how. He met me immediately and I stepped from the pulpit and he says, you're an antinomian. I said, what's that? He says, you don't believe we're under the law. I said, oh, you did get that, did you? But you know, he never came back again. Never came back again. Another fellow called me. He wanted to come and visit us one time. He was a, a pastor of some Reformed Baptist church somewhere. And he called me up and says, what time your service start? I told him and he says, well, let me ask you this. How do you discipline your church? I said, what do you mean? How do you discipline people? I said, I don't. He said, well, how do you deal with them when they commit adultery and lie and steal and, and uh, do all these kind of things? And he said, and cheat and all that. And I said, <laughs> I said, I knew I'm about to do all that stuff when I was unconverted. <laughs> I said, yeah, I didn't need the Lord to tell me not to do those things. I knew better anyhow. But he, first thing he won't know, I've been pastor the same church for 42 years and I've never, ever, ever has anybody ever been brought before our church or anybody ever put out of our congregation. You know why? Because we are gathered as a bunch of sinners and who wants to run a sinner off? This is a hospital for sinners. This is a place for sinners to gather, for sick people to gather. Why would you want to run somebody off that needs Christ? You say, well, they did this. Well, you tell me what I haven't done. You tell me, you come up with anything you want to think about, and if I haven't done it, I've least thought it. And that's what they tried to do to our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, if he, if he, if he don't condemn this woman, then he's against Moses. Then we got him. He's a lawbreaker. And if he... Let this woman go and don't stand up for Moses' law. Then we've got him because he is going to just ignore the whole Bible. And he asked him, said, what sayest thou? I mean, look what it says. They said they, verse 6, they said they tempting him that they might have to accuse him. Now watch what happens. But Jesus stooped down with his fingers and wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now listen to this. So when they continued asking him, 
While he was stooped down, they just kept asking him. You got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. You got to let us know where you stand on this business of the law. He just stooped down, ignored them. Wasn't listening to a word they had to say. He stooped down, and the only other place where you find two places you find God writing in the scripture. Over in Exodus 14, 18, 14 20, or something like that, 21, that, or 18, that our Lord, it says there that God wrote on two tablets of stone with his finger. And the second time you see him writing with his finger, when he's writing on the wall, when Belshazzar's having a great feast using all the things from the tabernacle. And God wrote on the wall with his finger. So this is our Lord Jesus Christ. He's God. And he takes time out and he just ignores everything they're saying, everything they're doing. And he stoops down and he begins to write. And they just kept asking him and kept asking him. Listen, if I don't answer you, I'm ignoring you. You say, well, you're ignoring me. There's a reason for ignoring some people. (laughs) I don't need to be facetious, but some people need to be ignored. But anyway, here they they come along and he just took down right. I'm going to tell you what I think he wrote. I'm going to tell you what I think he wrote. I think he got down and he wrote... Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul. I think that's what he wrote the first time. And they looked down and they said, love God. Love God. Well, where's the love of God at in this people? They don't care about love. The only thing they care about is law. They don't care about the love of God that the first thing out, the first commandment is love God with all your heart. And I tell you, that's what I think he stooped down and wrote. And oh my, and he's telling them, he said, you fellas trying to remind me of the law? Don't you know Moses wrote about me? And he said, you tell me you're con- concerned about the law and talking to me I was the one that wrote the law I wrote the law I was the one that took my finger and wrote it down on those tablets of stone on that mountain and he said I didn't come to destroy the law I came to fulfill it and oh my they just continued asking him they thought well we've got him cornered he's he's doing something just to kill time Oh, we have embarrassed him. But he sat down there and wrote down, I love God. Then look what he said when he got back up. So they, verse 7, so they continued asking him. And he lifted up himself. And that's what we need. That's what we do. We lift up. If he lifts up himself, that's what we need to do. Lift up our Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto thee, unto them, he this without sin among you. <laughs> he that's without sin among you. You be the first to pick up stone. Go ahead. If you ain't got any sin, pick up stone. Get you a rock and start throwing right now. Get you a rock and start throwing. Uh-huh. What he did... He turned the white light of God's law on them. They come there to condemn somebody. And he turned around 
And he took that white light of God's holiness and God's law and God's justice and God's mercy and he turned it right back on them. Are you without sin? Uh-huh. They had no right to do this. They were sinning themselves. You know, the only person in that group who could have picked up a stone, justly so, and rightly so, who was without sin, it was the Lord Jesus himself. He could have done that. But he didn't. And oh my, and listen to what happens now. Oh my, they saw this ugly moat of uncleanness in this woman's eye. But they didn't see the beam of hypocrisy. Envy, pride, and malice in their own. Oh, it's easy, easy to see and condemn somebody else's sin. But the Lord deals with us and our sin. I'm glad that God deals with my sin. That I don't have to let nobody else do it. They tell, you know, say, got to go to a priest and get confessing, absolved. But listen, I'm glad that God alone knows my sin. I don't want you to know it. Listen, you know, there's no sense in us pretending. No sense acting like we're something we're not. Are we? We're not sham sinners. We're real sinners. And I tell you, our Lord, our Lord deals with our sin. And that's why he says to him, he that without sin, pick up a stone. Whose sin was greater here? Theirs or hers? Which one you think's the worst? Which one you think's the worst? Well, they both sin. There's no doubt about it. But I think their sin was greater. Their sin was greater. They had blood in their heart. They had hatred in their heart. They had meanness and cruelty in their heart. Oh my. And our Lord Jesus came into this world to deal with sin. Sin of the heart. Sin of the mind. Sin of the nature as God sees it. You see, it's not so much what we do. It's why we do it. And Christ deals with the why we do it. A man, you know, he says, well, he's a thief. You know why? A man don't become a thief when he steals something. He steals something because he's a thief. A man don't lie, become a liar when he tells a lie. He lies because he's a liar. And that's what God come to deal with, that issue of sin in the heart. When God deals with that sin of the heart, deals with what goes in a man's heart, and that's where the nature lies. And God's got to change that nature. And when God deals with the why we do what we do, then the what changes, which is us. (laughs) Oh, grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my. Now, look what it says there in verse 7 again. And it says there in verse 7, Without sin, let him first cast a stone at her. And then, while they're standing there pondering this thing, their mouth had been stopped. You know, I told you that when the law comes, the mouth is stopped. Their mouth is stopped. God turned the law on them, and their mouth was shut. Shut it up. 
And when they heard it, heard what he said. Now listen to this. Being convicted by their own conscience. Now let me tell you what that means. There's no Holy Ghost conviction here. If there had been Holy Ghost conviction here, Holy Spirit conviction here, these men would have been saved. They were convicted by their conscience. They were convicted by their conscience, not by God, not by the Holy Spirit. And that's why it says, and they went out one by one. And you know which one started? The oldest one, the bunch. The oldest one had a little more sense than the rest of them. He said, I, I, believe, I'll, I, believe, I'll, I believe he was backing up, you know, trying to sneak around behind them fellas. Well, I'll see you fellas. And, and you know, and next thing you know, they just start walking away. One by one, they left. One by one. And one by one, they left. Beginning to the eldest, even to probably the youngest. And oh my, they went out. Where was their courage now? Instead of standing as, their, as, as accusers, they find themselves the one accused. Instead of judging, they find themselves judged now. They went out one by one. Where was their courage now? Where's the boldness at now? They could face the, her sins, but they couldn't face their own sins. They wanted to deal with her sins, but they didn't want to deal with their own. They come to make a fool out of Christ and walked away showing what fools they were, what they were. Now when it says there in verse 8, when he told him without sin, cast a stone. He stooped down again and wrote on the ground. What do you reckon he wrote this second time? While they were walking away. He didn't even stand up. He didn't even watch. He, he wasn't watching them walk away. He was writing. He stooped down again. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ, you're talking about stooping. He stooped as low as anybody could stoop. Oh, he came all the way down. All the way to the death of the cross. And I believe that when our Lord wrote this time, I believe he wrote, Love your neighbor as yourself. He dealt with the issues of the heart. And there our Lord Jesus Christ, they went out. And when our Lord stooped down the first time, that's when he came to face that broken law. That's when he came to render obedience to that glorious law of God. That's when he came in love and grace and mercy to prepare to go under that law and add a satisfaction and obedience to that law that commanded her to be stoned. And the second stooping is, is that he faced God's holy law in every way. And he stooped down, and that second stooping, first stooping's when he came. The second stooping is when he come down to die. That second stooping, he come down to die, to go to that cross, to be put on that cross for us, to die, and then when and then go all the way to the grave. And so he raised up again. He's on resurrection ground now. He's on resurrection ground. Oh. He went down to the cross, went down to the grave with our sins upon him. 
That first table of the law was broken when Moses went down and saw that crowd already dancing naked around the golden calf. He threw the law down and it shattered. Come straight from the presence of God and he shattered it. God gave him another one. And he said, I'll tell you where I want this next one to go. I want you to lift up the lid of that mercy seat. I want you to lift up that ark. I want you to lift up that mercy seat. And I want you to take them Ten Commandments. I want you to take that law and put it down under that mercy seat. Put it in that ark and close that lid. It's already been broken. I want it under the mercy seat. I want it where blood can be applied. I want it where God himself can meet a man on the mercy seat where the blood's been shed. That's where I want it. I want it under that blessed mercy seat. Every time the priest goes in there, he'll put blood on top of it. And I tell you what, God says in their sins, we'll be gone for a year at a time. But when our Lord Jesus Christ comes and says he put away sin once in the end of the world by the sacrifice of himself. He put away sin once and for all. And you know what God said about it? He said, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now I don't know about you, I have a hard time sometimes remembering my sins. I don't know what causes me to do it. I don't know why. I'll think about something I've done when I was in 20s and in my teens. And I'll get thinking about something I've done. And i say, oh, Lord, forgive me. And I know I've been forgiven. But yet, like David said, my sins are ever before me. And yet, at the same time, that's why we need the gospel. Oh, my. Put them on. Ain't you glad that Christ is our mercy seat? That law is under that blessed mercy seat. And Christ is our mercy seat. That's why we come to the mercy button boldly under the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. And oh my, our Lord Jesus Christ, they were convicted by their own conscience. No Holy Spirit done that. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, you're coming to Christ. You're not going away from him. These fellows went away from Christ. When the Holy Spirit convinces you, you're coming to Christ. That's the difference. And oh my, now look at the confidence now. And all oh, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they heard it. They went out one by one. And I love this right here, last part of verse 9. And Jesus was left alone. <laughs> And the woman, and the woman standing right in front of her. <laughs> oh, 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 my, I can just picture this. Oh, there's this crowd around. Everybody's left, but those people that Christ was teaching, they're still there. And there's this woman. Christ is left by himself. And there's this woman. She's left standing there. She's left standing there. She, is, she has been so shamed. Oh my. Here's something. The law can show you your sin. But it can't put it away. The only way it can be put away is by being alone with the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? Be alone with Christ. Oh my.
And that's what the law does. The purpose of the law is to bring the knowledge of sin and bring us to Christ. That's the purpose of the law. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful place and position to be in. Everybody left and she stood right there. I believe she was afraid to move. Oh, she stood right there. Oh, how the love of Christ constrains us. How it constrains us. How look at this, look at this wonder, wonderful confession now. Look in verse 10. Jesus lifted himself up now and everybody's gone. And he lifted himself back up. And the woman's standing there, he lifted himself back up. Oh, he's on resurrection ground. He's done been to the cross. He's been to the grave. He's been to the grave. Standing on resurrection ground here. And Jesus lifted up himself and saw none. I guess everybody left. Saw none but the woman. Oh my. You know Christ sees nobody but us. You know that? This is how glorious and how majestic and how wondrous our Savior is. He knows each and every one of us individually. As we're sitting here right now. And you know wherever they're meeting all over the world. God's people. He knows each and every one of them. <laughs> and we do things to surprise ourselves. But we don't do, never do anything to surprise him. Oh my. And he said woman. He asked us. Woman. Where are those Thine accusers. Where they at? Where they at? Where's your accusers at now? Where's, where's our accuser? Huh? Oh my. You see. <laughs> he says to her, said, who's condemned you? She said, who's condemned you? And you know what she said? No man, Lord, they're all gone. <laughs> nobody, nobody to confuse, condemn me now. Oh, you see, it's the Lord we have to deal with. But no man, Lord, is to condemn me. How can this be? Truly, truly, the Lord Jesus is the friend of sinners. Truly, truly, he came to save the worst kind of sinners. And look at the salvation that he provided for this woman. Jesus said to her, No man, Lord, ain't nobody condemning me. And I love this. The Lord Jesus says, Neither do I. I don't condemn you either. I don't condemn you either. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Huh? Look over in Romans 8 just a minute. You all know these verses, but look here what it says. Go over here in Romans 8. <laughs> oh my. Look in verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who? She is one of God's elect. Who's going to lay anything to her charge? There's a lot of fellows came, thought they was going to. They're all gone. 
The law's gone. It can't condemn me. Angels can't condemn me. The flesh can't even condemn me. Satan can't condemn me. And look what he said. Who shall lay any charge, anything to the charge of God's elect? I love it. It's God that justifies. Now here's that question. Who is he that's going to condemn us? That word condemn means to judge us. Who's going to judge us? He said, it's Christ that died. Yea, rather that's risen again. Well, where's he at then if he's risen again? Well, he's sitting at the right hand of God. What's he doing? He's taking up our case. Taking up our case. Oh, my. And our Lord says, neither do I condemn thee. And look what he said to her. Go and sin no more. Now, a lot of people have trouble with that. I don't have a bit of trouble with it. After he lifted himself up, he's standing on resurrection ground. Atonement's been made. The law's been honored. Satisfaction's been made. What he's saying here is don't go back to your life. Don't go back to your life. Don't go back to where you come from. He can't, he can't you know, we, we understand what we are. We have no doubt about it. She understood what she was. And what he's saying, when you sin no more, don't go back to your old life. Don't go back to where you was. Don't go back to what you was doing. You live to my glory now. You live to what I've done for you. You live for my glory. You live and remember what I've done for you. You know, and, and what he's telling her is, sin won't be your master anymore. The scriptures tells us, there's two sovereigns in the scripture, God and sin. Sin reigns. The scripture tells us sin reigns. Well, Romans 6.21 says this. He says that we're no longer under the law. But we're, we're not, sin has no more dominion over us because we're not under the law, but under grace. You want, you want to know how sin gets dominion over you? Go under the law. You, you wives go home, lay down the law to your husband. And you husbands go home, lay down the law to your wife. See what happens. Fur or fly. You know why? You'll go right under the dominion of sin. And that's all law can do is bring you under the dominion of sin. But we're not under the dominion of sin. We're under grace. And grace now reigns. Where sin once abounded, like in this woman, Grace now reigns. Grace reigns. Oh my. You know, I tell you, don't sin won't be your master anymore. That's what she's saying. It was not go and sin more and no more, and then I'll not condemn you. What he's telling her is you live to my glory. You're a new creature now. You go on and you be, you live to my glory. I know this. I know this, this, this is one of the things that they accuse people of that believe in the grace of God, that believe, that don't believe we're under the law in no way, shape, form, or fashion. That Christ is our master, law is our, love is our law. But they accuse us of, say, well, and, it, and they, they accuse Paul of this, well, since grace abounds, why don't you just continue in sin? He said, God forbid. How can I, 
who am dead to sin live any longer therein. Where'd you die to sin at? In Christ. Now, they told old Walter Groover, and the Lord just called him home a few weeks ago. They said, Walter, said, if I believe what you did, I believe I could sin all I wanted to and never had to worry about it. Walter said, I sin more than I want to, and I'm under the grace of God. Well, we all, you know, but we don't glory in it. You ain't going to come in here and tell what you've done or what you said. No, no. Law says, stoner. Christ said, if you ain't got no sin, go ahead and throw in them rocks. Love God. Raised himself up. Love your neighbors yourself. And I, you know, in Christ, you know, our, our love has to, I, I've got to stop. Our love has to be perfect. Our faith has to be perfect. Everything about us has to be perfect to be accepted of God. Well, I love God perfectly. You know where I do? In the Lord Jesus Christ. I love my neighbors myself in the Lord Jesus Christ. People say, how do you know you're justified and you ain't got no sin? That up yonder he says, it's at the right hand of God. And I can see him. How do you see him? Same way you do by faith. Amen. Amen.